On this episode of the BCT Sports Podcast, brought to you by the Quick Takes Podcast Network, we start off the conversation by getting into some Bruins hockey and NHL playoffs at large. Great conversation there. Bill guides us through what needs to get done to have the Bruins go deep into the playoffs. And beyond that, we get into some Red Sox talk, how they've turned into an absolute dumpster fire and laughing stock of the MLB. Then we get into some Celtics talk, looking at their upcoming series against the Philadelphia 76ers. We get into the Champions League. We then finish the episode by getting into some F1 talk. I guide the conversation about some of the most exciting races that have happened thus far in the season and much, much more. So buckle up. Here we go. And we're back after a three-week hiatus. Bit of, bit of a long time without BTT, but we're back. We're going to jump right into it with some Bruins playoff hockey. The tournament just started up. Well, play-in tournament's done. The actual playoffs have started. Bill, what'd you like from those Bruins in that first game? I know they won in, what, double overtime? Yes, uh, they won 4-3 to three in double overtime over the Carolina Hurricanes yesterday. Uh, long wait time. We were mm-hmm. waiting for... A, what was it, Monday? One Monday night game? Yes. And because of the five-overtime game between the Tampa Bay Lightning and Columbus Blue Jackets, we got pushed to an unprecedented time of 11 a.m. on Tuesday morning. Uh, what I liked, first of all, the, the Bruins controlled the puck. We had far more chances, and we were far more the better team. What, what were your guys' thoughts? Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with you, Bill. Watching that game, even though it was close and went into double overtime, I, I think the Bruins had a handle on that game. And it's more so in hockey than any other sport – Probably football, you can see this too, but the score might be close. But there's a certain level level of energy and skill on display that you can tell that they kind of had it in their hand the whole time. The thing that made me mad was there's a lot of missed opportunities. And I've seen this a lot of times in playoff hockey. You really got to capitalize on those opportunities. Remember Jake DeBrusque had that one-timer right next to a wide-open door, and he just goes right off the side post and then goes back into – he went back to the bench and just broke his stick out of frustration. But there was a lot of frustrating moments like that because of their missed scoring opportunities. But all in all, I thought it was a great game by the Bruins. Um, I just want to see them capitalizing on opportunities. I mean, you guys know I'm not the hockey guy. We know Bill's the hockey aficionado here, but – I did end up watching this entire game start to finish. And, again, I liked what I saw from the Bruins. They were the better team, and you could tell from the beginning. But I think that, again, those missed opportunities. You can get away with them when you're playing Carolina in the first round, but you get deeper into these playoffs, and you're not going to win every game in double overtime if you miss three, four, five pretty easy opportunities to score. Mm-hmm. So, especially when you have an aging roster. I mean, Charles right. 43, oh my Patrice God. Bergeron's not no spring chicken either. And that basically that whole first line and second line have veteran guys that you can't really rely on long wheels into the season. But I, I think Carolina is a favorable opponent for us. And I think we'll make quick work out of him. I, I still believe in a four game sweep against them. Uh, when I look at the Carolina Hurricanes, I, I see a lot of flaws in their games that could kind of be progressed and more exploited uh, later on into the series. I think this is their first – I think their first punch in their first game is going to be their hardest punch. And then from that point on, it's just it's just going to be a cakewalk. I think the other thing, too, is that the Bruins' strength over the past however many years has been the power play. And the power play wasn't very impressive the other night. I mean, we saw – there was a, they gave up a shorthanded goal on a stupid, stupid mistake, a cross-ice pass where they just – gave it up and he just went one-on-one with Tuca and, and, and put it in the back yeah. of the net. That 
tied up the game, and I think that's what kept it close. They had a very, very – they had a good chance there to shift the momentum. They would have gone up 3-1, and stupid mistake on the power play leads to a game that went on way longer than it should have. And I don't think that the Bruins on, on this team, because we mentioned, like, aging roster, you can't afford going to overtime, double overtime, triple overtime every single series yeah. in multiple games. It's, they have think- to – do you think the Bruins will win this series, Taylor? And what will the game uh, split be? I think they might drop one, but I think they, they should make pr- pretty quick work of the Hurricanes, I think. What do you think, Bill? Yeah, I'm going to agree with that. I think five games is uh, probably the best guess. What I liked from the Bruins was that the first line stepped up. They're a heavily driven first line team. A lot of the other lines don't contribute nearly as much. So they were quiet most of the qualifying rounds, which is why I think we went 0-3. They carried the load yesterday, got the winning goal in overtime, great pass to Bergeron to finish it off. Um, so, yeah, I think we're, we're going in the right direction. So I think that can conclude our Bruins talk for right now. I know um, just before we move on, talking about that Lightning uh, Columbus Blue Jacket game, that's the fourth longest game in NHL history. It started at three twenty. No, it started at three o'clock and ended at nine twenty-two p.m. So that's just that's a that's a gutted out type win. That's gonna it's it's gonna have a real severe effect on the rest of those games. Bruins game wasn't short here. I think they started at eleven and they went until what, like three. It was like a four-hour game. And I there's mean, four more games that day. Yeah. Yeah, quick note. Um, Taylor and I were actually on on the Cape that day, uh, and we left to be able to get home to watch the Bruins at 8. And we ended up – I ended up watching it for another two-plus hours. So that just mm. gives you a sense of how long that went. Yeah. And to give you an update, the resiliency of the Blue Jackets came through. They just defeated the Lightning 3-1 to one in game one. So that's all tied up. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the Blue Jackets the last two years have shown some real grit there. So interesting matchup. And uh, maybe, did you see the um, Carolina Hurricanes tweet about the, uh, that was making fun of the Tampa Bay Lightning's tweet last year? Oh, there, was, there was a tweet that was just like, dear, dear Carolina uh, Hurricanes fans, we're sorry, we're better than this, we'll prove it to you. And that's exactly what the Tampa Bay Lightning did before they lost their series. <laughs> but they just did that because, like, um, they're making fun of that there was no game where when it should have been a game, and they're making fun of the Tampa Bay Lightning for that. Um, going on to our next topic here, I want to get into the absolute dumpster fire that has turned into the Boston Red Sox organization. Uh, I know Taylor wants to talk about this. He has gone out in uh, length and saying that we probably won't be as bad as everyone thinks, and guess what? We're actually worse. It's terrible. It's so bad. Now, granted. That statement was made before we knew Eddie Rodriguez was out for the year and before Colin McHugh was gone and Ben Johnson. Ryan, Ryan Johnson's gone. Like, it, it has just been a snowballing effect of just terrible situations for the Red Sox team. Now, granted, 60 games of suffering is better than 162 games of hmm. suffering. So, I mean, that that's the one thing that's getting me to the, to the light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, but, I mean, I think the biggest thing is there's a lot of red flags that we saw in the beginning of the year that are popping up again. JD slumping. That's something that we thought, all right, like JD might not have, have the best year this year. Expectations are pretty high for him. He's been bad. We said, Benny, another guy you might slump a little bit. He was bad. Like <laughs> it's just been, even the guys that you, you counted on like Xander and Devers who we were like, okay, these are like the layup. Like these guys will still have good years, no matter how the team is. Xander's been good. Devers has been eh, like, did you see uh, Xander's comments there, Bill? Did you see his comments that he was making? Like, um, if it's like it's tough to win when you got to score more than seven runs to to get a W. 
Who said that? <laughs> Alexander Bogarts. Really? Mm. That's, that <laughs> I mean, causes locker room divide. I, I wouldn't accept. I would not expect that from hey, him. Hey, it's well. I mean, when you want to throw off speech every single time into the wheelhouse of the batter, just just chalk it up as a loss. That's what I gotta say. So where I stand on this season, though, is I'm glad that this is the route they're taking. It sounds bad, and it's tough when you're a Sox fan and every year you're conditioned to just think that if they're out of it, they should throw a ton of money or a ton, or a ton of prospects out to get better. And if they're good, they should reinforce the roster by, by spending. I like that for once. Mm-hmm. They're not just going out and saying, well, we're bad right now. Why don't we just do what it takes to get decent? Because I think that this year with the expanded playoff, you don't know Come how off. the playoffs are going to go. It's going to be it's going to be nuts. I'm I'm glad that they're not mortgaging mortgaging the future for a 60 game season that you really don't even know what's going to happen. Like mm. they could they could go out and spend and trade for whoever and end up being decent and get knocked out in the first round. Bill, like, um, beyond the Red Sox, who are you thinking is going to be um, a, a team that's surprising you this early on in the season? Uh, I'd say honestly, the whole Central Division in the AL mm. is not really playing out how I thought it would. I expected that to only have one playoff team and that would be the twins coming yep. into this. But um, that whole division is, is very, very competitive. So I'd, I'd look at that division as a whole, but then the Rockies as well, the Rockies have, their pitching has been great. Yeah. Typically that's been a flaw of them. They've had decent hitting and honestly going Arenado's getting going and Trevor, Trevor story is an MVP candidate. Yeah. I was just about to mention that. What do you think, uh, Taylor? So for me, the Rockies are the big team for me, but again, be careful. It's a small sample size, and they played a lot of games away from home, mm. which Coors Field is usually where their pitching starts to falter a little bit. But, I mean, Herman Marquez looks like an ace, and he's a guy who they've always looked at as being possibly the best pitcher Colorado has that they can kind of build around. Kyle Freeland's come back. He had a really good year two years ago. He was awful last year, and he's finally starting to come back around. But, again, watch out because the Coors Field effect happens, and, and the one thing that – Rockies are gonna have to rely on is just out slugging people at their in their home field, and I think the last game they just played shows it. It was like a it was like an eight to five game, which is a normal thing that you see at Coors. But on top of that, I think the Marlins are a huge one. I mean, they're eight and four, and they are barely using their actual active roster. Now that might be a good thing for them because they've had to look, they've had to use some young kids and and give some guys some looks like Brian Anderson, who maybe wouldn't have been an everyday player for them, has been an everyday player and he's having a great year so far, mm-hmm. but. You can, again, it's, teams have played 12, 15 games. It's a very small sample size. Now, granted, we're looking at a quarter of the season because it's a shortened season. But, again, it's still a short sample, and, and anything can happen in the MLB, especially with 45 games to go. Yeah, so that wraps up our MLB talk here. I want to transition to some football talk here. Um, the NFL is in limbo. We don't really know what's going to be going on there. Some teams are starting to get into training camp, but the, the usual um, media tiz that surrounds that has been kind of minute and minimized just because it's been limited access, obviously, and there's been no preseason games, so you can't really sink your teeth into any cuts or anything of the sort. You can't really see a roster formation. But I want to get into the most recent signing by the Patriots here. We got Lamar Miller from um, the Houston Texans. He's a, a speedy running back. He used to run a 4-4 before he uh, tore his ACL last year. So um, I just want to get you guys' thoughts on do you think he'll actually – make it to the uh, 53-man roster? I don't know if he'll make the roster, but I don't hate the signing at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was a consistent running back everywhere he played up until his injury. He's not, he's not, he was never a guy who wowed you or blew you away, but he would average three and a half yards of carry. And I think that 
getting somebody behind Sony Michelle is only going to motivate him more. I think that you need you need guys there to to keep him motivated. That looks like a legit threat. I, I said this on the Dingo Show before we can kick it over to Bill here, but um, I'm officially out on Sony Michelle. <laughs> oh, I'm not out on Sony Michelle. He's just proven to not be able to be consistent. I just saw a report that he's probably not going to be ready for the start of the season. So we need to a, oh, yeah. get him back on the field and push him. Didn't but he have also, a surgery or something? Was it toe? Yeah, it was like something like yeah. that. But yeah. uh, an important thought, Brandon Bolden did opt out, so we need to fill a last running back roster spot. And if yeah. Lamar Miller is that, I'm fine with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lamar Miller on, an, on a low-risk deal as like your third-string running back is not a bad place to be. Yeah, and we know Belichick loves to work in a multiple running back set, and that's that's fine. If if he shows promise as being anything that he used to be before that ACL injury, then then cool, good for him. But uh, before I wrap up this Patriots talk here, I just want to say Sony Shell stinks if he doesn't have a Hall of Fame worthy uh, offensive line like he had in that 2018 playoffs. We'll see. Time will tell. Because what what is he going into year three? Mm-hmm. Last year was mostly a bust. So. All right, getting into the next topic here, we saw the Big Ten and Pac-12 call it quits for 2021 and uh, cancel the football season and possibly push the basketball season back a little bit further here. But the sneaky thing that I was looking at here was that that means that the coaches on the Big Ten and Pac-12 are officially unemployed. So what that means is they could be um, a consultant for NFL and professional teams. So you could see uh, Coach K being a consultant for possibly um, a team coming in here in the NBA in the bubble. That could happen. You could also see a guy like Nick Saban or anyone really in the NFL or the, um, or the NBA circuit uh, scoop up a quick college coach just to be a consultant here and just come on here. So it'd be interesting to see if that happens. So I think Taylor and I just got distracted by the absolute dumpster fire that is the Red Sox. Yeah, the Red Sox just, oh my God. But, what happened? Well, okay, well, we'll take a break from that. What just happened? Talk me through it. Because I don't have it. Easy plays. Devers just threw the ball in the outfield. <laughs> easy, oh, easy double God. play. And double he play just threw not it even close to the second baseman. Yeah, Devers' oh, uh, conditioning has been a, a bit of a suspect here. I've been, the worst thing about this is that I've <laughs> people have been trying to come to Devers aid and say that he's a good defender at third base that he shouldn't move to first and i've seen like all the national channels have been like highlighting his like metrics and how great he is and that's where i hate that i like that metrics are being implemented into baseball but when the only thing that mlb network looks at is like your defensive rating and the uzr and all that crap war the oh the eye test on devers at third base is atrocious (laughs) simple plays simple plays he messes up all the time all the time and it just infuriates me. But, okay, that's my Red Sox right for now because I can't deal with it. Bill, if you were the Celtics or if you were another organization in the NBA or um, even NHL or uh, MLB or NFL, would you hire um, a consultant from a, a college league? First of all, absolutely. But I don't know what the current rules are considering they are in the playoffs. So I know you can't pick up new players in the playoffs. Can you pick up a new coach? I don't no, know. What they don't fall under coaches. They're consultants. So why mm. not? I don't really yeah. see a downside having another opinion in the room. You don't have to go with their opinion, but it's it's good to listen and see what a different perspective has. See, I like the idea. I highly doubt it'll happen. Just because when you think about it. It'd be hilarious. So think of it this way. Think of it this way. If Coach K 
came onto the Celtics uh, bench as the offensive consultant, then that'd just be an absolute Duke Blue Devils. Um, like they, they'd just be so happy because like Jason Tatum, every single time he posts something on Instagram or whatever, it's always about Duke and his favorite time of, of the world over there. So that'd be hilarious. Or better yet, if the Pelicans somehow weaseled their way into the playoffs and Adam Silver would be doing not only cartwheels, but also having uh, Coach K in the bench there with Zion Williams, that'd be <laughs> hilarious. Oh my God. He's like, I, now I'll give you another half a million dollars so you could become a Pelican for life. I think what they should do is I think they should take like the top, However, so what is it? Is it regular playoffs? It's eight, it's eight teams this year, right? For the NBA, they didn't switch, switch anything. Mm-hmm. So I think they should take the top sixteen college basketball head coaches, um, based on like winning percentage, and just put them in a lottery. And I think they should run the lottery, and whoever you get, you have to have on the bench, and they have to coach a quarter. Like I think they should just <laughs> just go crazy with it and just stick all the because co- I want I want random zones being run in the third quarter of big playoff games. <laughs> Well, without warning. Congratulations to Celtics Scott Shabazz Muhammad from Texas, and we're now running a 1-3-1 zone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. But the Pac-12 canceling is extremely sad. Or even, uh, even better yet, if we got um, – who's the Iona coach there? Um, I'm forgetting his name. Jared Grasso. No, no, no. The guy that no. took uh, – he was the old Louisville coach that, that ran the – like Larry Birdson coming through those doors. Louisville Patino? coach. Yeah, Rick Pitino the coach of Iona. You didn't know that? Oh, he is. He is. I forgot about that. So, if, like, we that. go off winning percentage. Rick Pitino probably has a really high winning percentage. He becomes a Celtics assistant coach again. Fans would riot. <laughs> oh, my God. See, that's what I want. I want, I want the college coaches thrown in there for the drama. I don't, I don't, I don't care about the actual uh, – effect on the team i just want like a third quarter mm-hmm. random college motion offense being run so what speaking of uh, drama here uh bill's portland trailblazers have been causing quite the ruckus in the nba uh, i love it damian lillard he's been going off it's fantastic back-to-back nights of just big time scoring by him um get him into the eighth seed. i think they're probably the, the best built eighth seed i've seen ever in my eye. I mean, from top to bottom, they're fantastic. They got, obviously, Bill can talk us through this, but they got um, Damian Lillard at the point guard. You got CJ McCollum at the uh, two guard. Both those guys can put up 50 points in any given night. You got, um, you can even have Carmelo Anthony putting up huge numbers. And you also got elite defensiveness by um, Nurkic. And you got um, Hassan Whiteside, who's been really energized too. So from top to bottom, their team is going to be very difficult. Also, they're sneakily very well built to combat a team like the Los Angeles Lakers who does not have the best guard defensive tandem. And they also have um, great defensive anchors in Hassan Whiteside and Nurkic could easily defend. uh, I shouldn't say easily, but could be doing the best job of defending um, AD. Couple quick points on on the Blazers. Uh, First Nurkic coming back has been electrifying for the Blazers. Mm -hmm. He elevates everyone he's he's all over the place he, he's a Jokic type he just does everything second you have to remember we have they have white side on the bench who is very tall can match up against big offensive powers and then third remember that the, the Blazers are probably going to at some point have to play the Suns to get into that last spot mm. who just are, are about, about to beat the Mavericks and they went eight or nine or no in the bubble they didn't lose yeah, I mean, did you see Devin Booker's crazy dunk he had the other night? He, well, anyways, Devin Booker has just been insane. He's been playing very well, and that's that's good for them. But I, I really want the Trailblazers to make it into the um, eighth seed there. 
because it, it'll just be fantastic. The Suns basketball. can't beat the Lakers, but the Blazers could beat the Lakers. Yeah, and also Damian Lillard come playoff time and CJ McCollum come playoff time are just electric. And they're 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 gritty, they're intense, and that's something the Lakers just don't want to see in the first round. The Lakers roster, who is the oldest roster in the NBA at that too. Yeah, I mean, I love the Blazers. I hope the Blazers get in. The one thing I will say though is there are a lot there. You we look at this and they're a great for an eight seed. They're they're built amazing. They're one of the best eight seeds we've seen in a very long time. But there's flaws in that team. Their perimeter defense is very very lackluster. They don't have many options off the bench to really shore it up. Dame can be a plus defender at times, but when he's trying to drop sixty points a game, mm-hmm. you you lose a little bit on the defensive end. And I think that. The Suns are actually a pretty tough matchup for them to get into that eight seed because I think that with the role they've been on number one and number two, just the way the Suns play, they're very inside out. They have a lot of guys who can stretch the floor. All of their bigs can shoot somewhat. I mean, other than outside of Aiton, but they have Dario Saro who stretches the floor, and they have a lot of guards who can put who, other than Rubio. Rubio <laughs> kind of just facilitates, but their wings can all shoot. If the Suns get hot, uh, watch out. I mean, they're great defensively down low. They'll guard the post well, but nobody plays through the post anymore. I just think when looking at Damian Lillard and the way he's playing now, I don't think it's going to be an option for him to lose against the Sun. I, he's gotten yeah. everyone on that team to buy in to just not just accepting not to lose. That's just yeah. their thing. Like they they just came in here and said, "I'm I'm just not going to lose." And he's going to press conference. He's like, "I didn't spend all this time to not go to to not accomplish something." So that, that's that's my takeaway from the Blazers. Yeah. And I think that in terms of the Lakers, it's a nightmare scenario from them, for them on, on the first round. I could see them easily getting swept. I don't want them to. I would love to see them upset LeBron. But the Lakers just play so fast. They get out on the break. And I just don't think that they, – they're if they want to play Nurkic and Hassan at the same time, they're not going to be able to keep up. Neither one of them can play in transition like that. They can't keep up with JaVale McGee. They can't keep up with Davis. They're not going to keep up with Dwight Howard. Like, they're going to run the floor on them. Yeah, and that's where you're going to need the leadership out of um, Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum just can yeah. kind of slow down the basketball for to play their style. Defensively, um, who who can they match up on LeBron? No one. Well, Nobody. That, that 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 goes for everyone throughout the league. Yeah, since that's about 2003. So, um, Bill, I want to get your thoughts on the Celtics. We we had a throwaway game against the Wizards. The Wizards stink. They don't have anyone. I don't even know why they took the liberty to come here in the bubble. But anyways, they did. They were there. And uh, the Celtics team, as it looks at it right now, I'm pretty pretty happy with. I just don't think we're getting past the Bucs. Do you think that's changed at all there, Bill? If there's a team to do it, I think it's the Celtics, but I don't think we will. Um, the 76ers just became not even like a team anymore. I don't even – I'm not sure what the word to say is, but yeah, I mean, their they, stars are done. They're a mess. Yeah, they, they got uh, – Embiid's hurt, and also Ben Simmons is done for the year with uh, – he's got to get an anthroscopic knee surgery, so – that's that's tough, but that's, anyways, that's I mean, a cakewalk. And yeah, then I think we have the Raptors beat. We're better. Yeah, I, th- I think the the Raptors are like the. Uh, well, I, I think the Atlanta Hawks are better, but I was going to think about the the Atlanta Hawks team that won sixty games, but really was just nothing. Bill, finishing up this BCT episode here, I want to get your thoughts on the current status of uh, the championships league or the Champions League. I watched some Leipzig of Germany versus Atletico Madrid today. Leipzig actually pulled off an upset. Mm. Um, they have far less star power, but they're an excellent, like, cohesive team. They play like a team. Uh, so they got the win there. 
PSG, the chokers of UEFA, was able to pull out two 90th minute goals yesterday to get into, the, get into the semifinals. Dude, mm. craziest thing. There was something that was going viral on social media yesterday about the Champions League. Some guy bet every game in whatever round this was. And obviously, he got delayed because of everything. The two games he had left on there to hit were he needed Leipzig to beat Atletico, which happened. And he needed uh, PSG to lose. Oh. And PSG won in the last five minutes of their game. It was crazy. And the guy would have won, like, I think it was like $700,000. It was something Oof. ridiculous. Like Vegas always wins. They always find a way. Always find a way. That's just a small side of the Champions League. Barcelona and Bayern. Watch Ooh. that. If, if you're interested, Bayern is about unstoppable right now. Yeah. It's it's crazy to think that this is the same Champions League that me and Bill were watching all the way back in February and March <laughs> because that just seems so long ago. I mean, even back when uh, PSG was pulling out um, an incredible win, was it against BVB there, Bill? Or who were they playing? Or was it, um, was it against BVB? Yes, sir. BVB. Yeah. Uh... In the uh, round of 16. Yeah, so that was crazy to see them win that, and then they're going absolutely crazy like they won the the, um, the Champions League itself. But now they, they continue plugging away here and just keep finding magic. I mean, looking at their roster, they, if people have always said that they should have achieved a lot more than they have in the past five years or so. So hopefully it will be – I don't know, whatever. I know PSG is kind of like the, the team that everyone loves to hate, so we'll, we'll see what happens here. Soccer, watch it if, if you're interested because there's a lot of good teams playing great football right now. And mm-hmm. I'd, I'd say it's either going to be Bayern or Man City. Whoever comes out of that, that right side of the bracket will, mm-hmm. will probably win, in my opinion. So finishing out the last, uh, the last little quick aside here, I want to add into um, some F1 update here. So they got this this week. Yeah, they're going up against the Spanish Grand Prix coming up on Sunday at 9-10. And it's been kind of a wash um lewis hamilton's already got this wrapped up in my, my eye he's just unstoppable the mercedes cars him and um um botas yeah voluntary botas has just been insane their, their cars have just been unreal to look at the last lap i know you guys don't watch the f1 but look at the last lap of um the british grand prix not the 70th anniversary but the one before that at silverstone lewis hamilton won the race on three tires he won the race on three tires he literally had a he had a flat but he was so far on the lead he had 20 seconds 28 seconds lead on um uh fast person and he won and then next race following up um fast person i believe got pole position and he got the win so great i I love the red bull team and also my guy lando norris had another great game uh, another great race so um just keep an eye on uh f1 because it's even though it's the, the it's kind of already assumed that Lewis Hamilton's going to win it all again this year, and Mercedes is going to win the Builders' Championship, racers uh, below the first spot there is just fantastic watch. So, anyways, that is this uh, episode of the BCT Sports. It's been three weeks out, and hopefully we'll be minimizing this time away from getting onto the mics here as we get closer to the school year and maybe we'll be back into the wjmf studios in uh due course anyways thank you for listening and we'll see you next week